0: Well, good morning, morning. Seacoast Vineyard Church. How are we today? Yeah, Brian says it's, what? what's the degrees outside, 70? Yeah, nine, yeah. Well, I just want to welcome you guys here. My name is Lauren Bass, and I serve as a full-time missionary in Conway, South Carolina. Yeah. Let me explain that a little bit. You're like, Conway, South Carolina, missionary? Yes, I serve as a campus minister with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship at Coastal Carolina University. So just real quick, <laughs> Uh, Dustin in the back wave your hand everyone turn around look at Dustin so Seacoast Vineyard's young people are having a tacky Christmas sweater party gift exchange situation okay so I went in to go say hey to Dustin and he's actually wearing tacks on his sweater don't give Dustin a hug It will not feel okay. It'll hurt. So today we are in a series called The Proper Response to the Perfect Gift. And so we're going to launch into our scripture today. It's Matthew 2, the first few verses of Matthew. Let's go ahead and jump in. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, King Herod, dun, 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 (laughs) Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. We have come to worship him. So the proper response to the perfect gift. These wise men have traveled 900 long, intense miles to come find this newborn King Jesus, okay? It's like traveling from Myrtle Beach to Boston or Chicago. 900 miles is is a long, long way away, right? So they went to the king first, King Herod. Now, in case you didn't know, King Herod is not a great dude. He's kind of an evil king. And if you've been with us the past few weeks, you would know this, okay? And so, But they figured we should go to the king first. And so here's what they said. They said, King Herod, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Notice, born king of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They saw the star, were overjoyed, and followed it. Now, wait a second. Isn't King Herod supposed to be the king of the Jews? Right? Isn't he supposed to be the king of the Jews? So he's saying, what's this talk about another king of the Jews? And so you mean this king already has a personal star? hmm, this threatened Herod a little bit, right? This Herod wasn't really a fan of this, and so he asked his own wise guys, his own wise men, and he said, okay, tell me about this new king. Okay, it was in the Old Testament. They recited Micah 5. It had been prophesied that Jesus, this newborn king, was coming because the mic totally dropped because King Herod said, all right, Magi, when you go to Bethlehem, You let me know when you find this newborn king, because I too want to go and worship him. Yeah, sketchy. Right, King Herod, you keep thinking that. So these wise men came from a very far distance with a lot of planning, a lot of expense, but mostly a lot of expectation for one thing. And this one thing was to worship this newborn king, Jesus, Okay, this newborn King Jesus. And so week one, Tim launched our series and talked about, you guys remember, lifting up our holy hands in worship, right? For some of us, that was a risk. It was a beautiful picture to see our church lifting up our holy hands in worship. And then last week, we talked about bringing our treasures and our gifts to God, money, right? Hallelujah. We were worshiping God by bringing our treasures, our gifts, and our money. And today, the pit crew has been released (laughs) to talk about pouring out our hearts to God. And so before I get started, I just want to say that Tim has done an awesome job investing in the pit crew, right? Brian and Doug are here. And you guys are kind of investing in us too, right? You guys are so gracious to us and kind to us. Your words and your prayers mean a lot to us. Like, We couldn't do it if you guys weren't here listening to us making a big deal about Jesus, right? So I just want to thank you guys for being kind (laughs) to us. Because in case you didn't know, I'm not a professional preacher. You guys have figured this out already. I just really want to be faithful to the calling that God has given me on my life. And so I'm I'm thankful for that. Thank you guys for that. So, all right, as an act of worship, we are to pour out our hearts to God. Now, worship is not just from your mind, Worship is from the very depths of your soul. And so we are going to have the opportunity to pour out our hearts to God in worship this morning. I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump in. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence in this room today. We thank you for what you're doing among us, God. And we ask that your Spirit would anoint us and fall on us in a unique way God, that we would leave changed people, that we would hear this truth and walk out of those doors different people. And God, only your presence can do that. And so we pour out our hearts to you in worship. God, I ask that you would guide and direct my teaching today. God, we worship you. We acknowledge you. And we pray this in your strong and mighty name. Amen. All right, so we're going to work with several portions of Scripture. If you have your Bible, yes, you're awesome. If you don't have your Bible, you're still awesome and a winner because we're going to put the the Scripture on the screens. We all get trophies in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Yes, hallelujah. All right, so Psalm 142, we are going to start here. This is David desperately pouring out his serious complaints and laments and tears right before God. Let's check it out. I pour out before him my complaint. All right, he's pouring out to God his complaint. Now notice, David is not saying, God, you're wonderful. He's saying, my life is terrible. He's saying, my life is terrible. Before him, I tell my trouble. And then a few verses later, he says, I cry to you. Now watch what he says. Watch the shift happening. He says, Lord, I say, you are my refuge my portion in the land of the living. Guys, God has invited us into a crazy, unique relationship. To talk honestly with our creator is to acknowledge that he is God and that we are not. (laughs) It's to acknowledge that he is God and that we are not. If I'm hurting, God wants me to cry out. God wants me to tell him my condition. God wants me to give him my tears and my complaints and my laments. He is not a distant God. He's actually fully aware of your current condition. However you walked into this church, he is fully aware of your condition. Hopefully most of you walked through that front door. You grabbed a cup of coffee, maybe some donuts. Maybe you stuck some donuts in your pocket for later. I'm kidding, young people over there but he is fully aware of your condition. And so some of you have arrived to church and you're feeling blessed. You're feeling like life is good, life is great. I'm feeling okay, I'm loving it. I wanna invite you to pour out your appreciation to God. Pour out your thankfulness to God this morning. If you are feeling blessed, if that's your condition this morning, that's awesome. And let's be thankful for that. Now, you may have arrived to church feeling bored. You feel like you're just kind of existing. And you're asking God, isn't there more to life than this? Maybe your current Netflix series is over (laughs) and you're super bummed about that. I'm telling you, if you watch Cupcake Wars, you'll never be bored. (laughs) That is the best show ever. Okay, it gets a little old after a while, but it's great. So maybe you also arrive to church feeling battered. You're saying to yourself, you know what? The Christmas season is really hard for me right now. This is just a very hard season. Maybe someone you loved is not currently with you anymore. You have a loss in your life. Maybe there's some kind of challenge, anxiety, fear, that has entered your life. And so I want to invite you to pour out your heart honestly before God. Tell him how it is. He's the creator of the universe. He can handle that, my friends. Tell him that you are feeling battered. You wonder if it's all going to work out. And finally, you may have arrived to church feeling busted, financially busted and broke. And you're wondering How is Christmas going to work out for me, my family, my friends this year? Pour out your heart honestly to God. Tell him how it is. It's okay. It's really okay to let God hear it. And I'm going to keep saying that. It's okay to let God hear your laments and your cries and your tears. Because after, here in Psalm 142, David pours out his complaint And then he goes and says, God, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. If you are in the middle of a really hard time in life right now, you're supposed to be here this morning. You're in the right place. You're in the right place this morning. We're going to have an opportunity to call on God as our refuge. And to honestly pour out our hearts to God in worship. And I know we have struggle in this room. I know we have pain in this room. And I know we have loss in this room. Don't give up. God's promises are true. And I, I know in my more difficult moments in, my, in the 25 years I've been alive and in the six years of following Jesus, those dark nights of my soul have only been made bearable because I've honestly poured out my heart before God. It's in those moments that I've received healing and satisfaction because of God's presence showing up, because I poured out my heart honestly before God. It's literally in his presence. God is my refuge and hey, guess what? He is your refuge too. He is your refuge. In 2012, I read a book by the author Larry Crabb that profoundly impacted the way I view crying out to God. And the story that he told in his book is about him as a child being locked in a bathroom. Anyone ever been locked in the bathroom, like unintentionally? Just me? Okay, that's cool too. Really? Come on, no one has ever unintentionally... Okay, I see a couple hands, there you go, thank you, thank you, I'm not the only one. So Larry decided he was a mature three-year-old boy. And he thought he could use the bathroom by himself. So he climbed the stairs in his house and goes into the bathroom, locks the door, and does whatever he does. A few minutes later, he he feels very satisfied. And he says, I am a mature three-year-old boy. And then it was time to leave. He goes to the door, jiggles the handle, and it's, it's locked. It won't move. It won't budge. Larry starts to panic. He starts pounding on the door and he starts screaming. And he says, Help, get me out of here, get me out of here. His parents heard his desperate scream and they come to the outside of the door, which they can't budge on the outside. It can only be unlocked on the inside. And his mom says, Are you okay? Did you hit your head? Did you fall? And he said, Just get me out of here. So little did he know, his dad raced to the garage grabbed the ladder and leaned it against the bathroom right below the bathroom window and with adult strength, okay? With adult strength, he pried open the window, climbed into Larry's prison (laughs) and walked right past Larry, unlocked the door that he couldn't budge and opened the door. Larry looked at his dad and goes, thanks dad and ran out to play. And ran out to play. Larry goes on to say that that's how he thought the Christian life was supposed to work. Okay, when we get stuck in a tight spot, we should do all we can to free ourselves. And when we can't, we should think of God like a vending machine. We insert the proper change and then put our hand in the tray and lay hold of the sweet blessing we most want and desire. But now, no longer three years old and approaching 60, Larry realized that Christian life does not always work this way, right? My question for you is, do you even like God when he doesn't open the door you most want opened? Do you even like God when he doesn't open the door you most want opened? Maybe when a marriage doesn't heal or when financial problems threaten your comfortable way of life. Or when physical health with much prayer is not being fixed? Or when friends betray you? Or when loneliness intensifies and depression deepens? Well, God, my friend, has climbed through your small window into your dark bathroom. He's climbed into your small window into your dark bathroom, but he doesn't walk by you to turn the lock that you couldn't budge. You know what he does? Instead, he climbs in and he sits down on the bathroom floor and says, hey, come sit with me. I am your safe place. I am your refuge. And he seems to think that climbing into the room to be with you matters more than letting you out to play. Letting you out to play, he seems to think that to sit with you in your pain, in your struggle, is important. Now, I know I don't always see it that way, right? I'm like, get me out of here when I'm in a tight spot, when I'm battered, when I'm bruised, when I'm broken. I'm like, just get me out of this dark bathroom. If you love me, unlock the door. (laughs) So either we can keep asking him to give us what we think will make us happy To escape our dark room and run to the playground of blessings or, this is very important, or we can accept his invitation to sit with him for now, perhaps in darkness, and to seize the opportunity to pour out our hearts honestly to God. To call on God as our refuge, to call on God as our safe place, to sit with him in our pain and our struggle, to sit with him in our bathroom. And so what do we do when we find ourselves in a, in a pretty painful situation? Well, we're going to keep looking at the psalmist David pouring out his heart to get him through difficult times. So if you're taking notes, the first fill-in as you pour out your heart to God, remember God's faithfulness in your past. Remember God's faithfulness in the past. Psalm 42 was possibly the time that David was being betrayed and attacked by his own son Absalom. His own son was trying to seize his rule. Say what? This was a low, 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 low place of David's life, okay? His own son was trying to kill him and seize his rule. All right, and so then David says in verse three that his soul is thirsting for God. His tears have been his Food day and night. Ugh. Imagine eating your tears. Day and night. Day and night. And he had to put up with people relentlessly saying to him, where is your God now, David? Why isn't he showing up, David? Where is your God now, David? And David says in verse 4, this is important. This is the key part. He says, these things I what? What? I remember, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, as I ache, as I lament my condition. These things I remember as, that word as is so important. I remember and I recall how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one. Under the protection of the mighty one. And I wanna encourage you, to remember God's faithfulness in your past. And so as I prepped this sermon, as I prayed for this morning, as I prayed for you all and our time today, it caused me to remember the ways that God has been faithful in my own past. It was really, it was really fun to do, but it was really hard to do at the same time. And so I just wanted to share a few examples of the way that God has been faithful in my past. And so I remember... As a college student, when my life was spiraling out of control in my patterns of addiction and harm, and I remember God showing up by sending individual people into my life to invite me to Bible study, to invite me to church, that eventually invited me into a relationship with Jesus that changed my life. I was spiraling out of control in my patterns of addiction, and God sent people And saved my life. He rescued me from that situation. And I remember once I got into church, I was still wrestling with that shame and guilt. And one Sunday morning, a a pastor preached a a message and came up to me afterwards and said, hey, I, I just get a sense, can I pray for you? And it was in that precious moment that I felt that shame and guilt literally exchange into God's lavish grace and mercy in my life. And I remember that moment so, uh, so distinctly today. I remember when God was in some painful loneliness when I was in college and he sent me a lot of college community, (laughs) too many friends, right? So he's a God of abundance. He gave me family, friends that I could call family. I remember as a 20-year-old when my dad passed away. And the only thing that comforted me in that moment was the book of Psalms, and so to be able to preach a message out of Psalms is like hugely monumental for me. It brings back so many memories for me uh, of the grief and the lament that I experienced in my dad passing away, and so I don't know about you, but I get David. How many of you get David? Yeah, you just get this guy. I'm one of those, I get David. I get him. I remember just this month when a couple I met only once found out I was a missionary and gave almost $3,000 to my ministry needs. I didn't even tell them about the financial needs. I didn't even ask. They were propelled by the Spirit of God. I remember, I recall the time that God showed up and pulled through. I, I remember the time when I was It felt like I was aimlessly prayer walking at Coastal's campus, just praying for God to show up through students. And a year later, we've had over 30 college students show up every week to study the Bible on campus. That is God's faithfulness pulling through. In the midst of my crying out, God's faithfulness has pulled through. And so why did David remember God's faithfulness? To remind himself that God has been faithful in the past. My friends, the story is still being written. The pen is still on the page. The story is still being written. The pen is still on the page. And so God has been faithful before and he will continue to be faithful. And so I want to do a little exercise with you guys this morning. You should all have a pen yourself and your notes. And I want you to recall just one memory of a time that God has been faithful to you in your past. And I want you to just jot it down. We're going to take a few moments and just jot it down. One way that God has been faithful in your past, I want you to remember it. Because we're going to do this this coming week. We're going to come up with a whole list of ways that God has been faithful in our past. And we're going to bring that to worship to him. And so along with your laments and your crying out to God, remember how he has pulled through for you. So you may be crying out about your marriage. You may be crying out about your financial situation or uh, your children, one of your children. You may be crying out for different reasons, but God knows your heart and actually longs to be needed by you. It's a really precious moment when one of my students calls on me and needs some help. When I'm able to sit in a coffee shop and sit at a table with one of my students and there's tears being shed on the other side. And I'm able to lament with them and cry with them and ultimately point them to God's faithfulness. It's a holy moment, I'd say, that that the kingdom is being shaken when we can lament together and point to God's faithfulness. In our past, and so in the Old Testament, there's a story of Jeremiah, a prophet. This dude had a serious, seriously terrible life. (laughs) Like this guy suffered um, immensely, rejection and affliction. All right, and so in Lamentations three, for twenty verses, Jeremiah lays it on the table. He laments and he cries. Like you, you should read this. It's good. You guys ever read this? (laughs) Like, it's good stuff. Lamentations 3, for 20 verses, he lays it out. And so some of you are saying, Lauren, I'm a total train wreck. Like, someone needs to help me. Lauren, my issues are out of control. I need some help. Well, tell God. Cry out to him. Be honest. Because when when we reach Lamentations 3, verse 21, and this is insanely powerful, Jeremiah says this. Yet this I call to mine and therefore I have hope. So after 20 verses of him lamenting and crying out to God he says, "Oh, but yet this I call to mine and therefore I have hope. Therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning, not just on Tuesday, not just on Saturday, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness." I need to hear that today. I don't know about you. I need to hear that today. And so remember how God has been faithful to you in your past. I want to jog your memory. Think back. Think back to when he healed that relationship. Think back to that time that you had the prayer team pray for you and God came through. Think back to that tough season you were in and God was with you. Think back to when he rescued you, forgave you, and healed you. Think back. I'll never forget the moment walking into this church a few years ago, and I, I just knew that this was my Myrtle Beach uh, family. It was my first Sunday. And I sat in the back, I heard Tim preach, and during worship, I prayed. And I said, God, I really want you to use me in this church. Oh, yeah, by the way, I, I know I have a lot of healing to do, too. Like, I know I have a lot of heart junk to work on, too. So heal me a little bit, but really just mostly use me. <laughs> And I remember praying that prayer, and I was so excited. I went up to someone at the counter in the front, and I said, Hey, my name is Lauren. I'm really excited to be here. This is my first Sunday. How can I start serving? Yeah. Okay, well, welcome. Glad you're here. Why don't you just go here for a while? That's not the answer I wanted to hear. (laughs) I wanted to jump in immediately and start serving. But God knew in that season of my life that I needed to heal. I needed to sit on the bathroom floor with Jesus. I needed to call on God as my safe place, as my refuge. And that season was hugely transformational for me when I moved to Myrtle Beach. And so I'm thankful, I'm thankful for a church that, that listens and discerns God's calling on people's lives. So imagine, I want you to imagine for a moment, if we were to remember God's faithfulness in the midst of our crying out, Imagine that, what that would do to our souls. Imagine the impact that would have in our community. Imagine the impact that would have in your life. So as you pour out your heart to God, this is our second fill-in. Trust trust, God, tr- trust in God's power for your future. Because in Psalm 102, we find David again in a low, low, low place of life. I certainly get David. And so Psalm 102.7, David says, I lie awake I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me. How's that for an honest pouring out of your heart, right? Then there are three words that change everything. Three words that change everything. And you may be here today just to hear these three words. I don't care if you hear anything else. I want you to hear these three words, okay? And here's what David goes on to say. He says... But you, Lord, but you, Lord, but you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Let's say it together. But? One more time. Let's say it together. A little louder. A little more. But you, Lord, but you, Lord, my life is falling apart, but you, Lord, I feel so alone, but you, Lord, I'm being attacked, but you, Lord, but you, Lord, are faithful, but you, Lord, are supernaturally powerful, amen, but you, Lord, and some of you need to have, can we get real real fast, some of you need to have a but you, Lord, moment, Some of you are currently having a but you, Lord, moment right now. And some of you will have a but you, Lord, moment. Okay? A but you, Lord, moment. Because at some point, as you recall his past faithfulness, you will push through your pain to the point of praise. As you recall his past faithfulness, you will push through the pain to the point of praise to the point of praise. God, you are still in charge. God, you are still king. God, you have good plans for your people. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what you are going through, at anything, God, you are still Lord. But you, Lord, you are still my creator. You are still my king. You are still ruling and you are still reigning. You have a plan, a good plan. And you have been faithful in the past, You are good in the present, and therefore, I can trust you in the future. Recall God's past faithfulness in your life. And suddenly, you'll find yourself turning your plea into praise. Okay, suddenly, you'll find yourself turning your plea and exchanging it for praise. So let me close with this. Serving as a full-time missionary at Coastal, I get to see firsthand the crazy cool work that God does in college students. Let's throw that photo on up. This is a a picture of two of my students, their dorm room at Coastal's campus. Those are colored sticky notes of all the ways Jesus has impacted their lives. Those sticky notes, in fact, 275 sticky notes are ways that Jesus has shown up in their life, what they're thankful for, what they're grateful for. Worship lyrics, Bible verses, and God's faithfulness in their life. I love my students. I learned so much from them. I need to go put sticky notes up on my wall, right? I learned so much from my students. And so, how will you remember God's faithfulness in your life? Maybe you need to go invest in a journal and just jot down all the ways God has been faithful in your life. Maybe add some phone reminders. Whatever you need to do. Or go invest in a lot of sticky notes. Remember the ways that God has been faithful in your life. And bring that list to worship to God this week. You guys have homework. Make a list and bring that to worship to God this week. And so maybe God has captivated your attention today. And maybe you're like, huh, his grace is kind of intriguing. And if if that's you, I want to encourage you to be honest with God about what's holding you back from saying yes to Jesus. Be honest with God about that. And so we are all stumbling towards God's lavish grace, right? If you've been following Jesus for a long time, have you done some stumbling? Yeah, yeah. We are all works in progress. And so there will be a prayer team that will be hanging out um, during worship in the back. And I just wanna invite you, go let them pray for you to say yes to Jesus in a new or vibrant way. And if you're feeling battered, bored with life, bruised with life, broken, let them lay a hand on you and let them pray with you and let them intercede on, on, on your behalf. And so um, for you this morning, these texts, These texts that we read, falling on this day, is another grace and mercy on your life. It's another mercy that God has lavished on your life. These texts on this day. And so God is accomplishing something in you today. So hang on. Hang on. Hold tight. God's promises are true. God is our refuge. And so what a gracious God we serve. And so worship team, I want to invite you to come on up. So say it in prayer one more time, you guys, as a church. But you, Lord. But you, Lord. Lord. So remember God's faithfulness in your past. Trust God with your future. And let us pour out our hearts to God in worship. Let me pray for us. And then we're going to worship God as we pour out our hearts.